0: My parents told me that I started singing at the same time that I started speaking. So I have absolutely no memory of not singing. And it was and remains, thank goodness, a very natural thing for me to do because I've always done it. I was given my very own radio in my very own bedroom, which meant I could listen to anything that I wanted to. I didn't have to invite my brothers. I could close the door. And if I wanted to listen to Gunsmoke or to Elvis Presley or to the Metropolitan Opera on Saturdays, I could do that. And I would listen to the Metropolitan Opera because they had the most wonderful announcer. His name was Milton Cross and Milton Cross would tell you everything you needed to know about the opera. Of course I didn't sort of understand Italian or French or German or any of these things, but I didn't need to because Milton Cross told you everything you needed to know. He told you what Joan Sutherland was wearing, that she was very tall, that she was wearing a very beautiful blonde wig, and that her costume for Lucia de Lammermoor was this beautiful teal blue color. So I could see all of this in my mind, and however long the opera lasted on a Saturday afternoon, that's how long it took me to clean my room, which was my job on the Saturday. <laughs> so if it was a long opera, it on for a bit my cleaning. There was music all the time. The boys in my family played instruments in the bands at schools, because we were. my father was the president of the PTA and my mother was the secretary of the PTA, and you know, parents in those days would not have allowed the kind of things that are happening with the school's curriculum these days, all over the country and all over the world, that the arts are simply dropping out of the curriculum. They wouldn't have allowed it. They knew how much being a member of the chorus or a member of the movement group or a member of the poetry society or a member of the band, they realized how much this influenced everything else in our lives and that it was a part of education that really is just too important to be left aside. And I think about being 9 or 10 years old and the next door neighbor saying she had some 78s that someone had given her and she knew I was interested in that kind of music and would I sort of like to listen to something. And I said, yes, of course I would. And we didn't have a stereo player at the house, at our house that played 78s, but she had at her house that played 78s. So she gave me this stack of recordings and kind of left the room for me to have my own fun. And I found a recording of Marian Anderson's, whose name I'd already heard. And she was singing the Brahms Alto Rhapsody. And I was listening to that on that record player, as one referred to them in in those days. And even though I had no idea of the meaning of the, the words, they sounded important to me. And the music sounded important to me. And I listened to it over and over again. And on the occasion, at Carnegie Hall, many, many years later, when we were having a memoriam as by this time, Marian Anderson had passed. This in 1997, and when Robert Shaw said to me, "Let's do the Alto Rhapsody," I said, "Well, I might not get through it because I might cry all the way through it because this is a very meaningful piece to me." But it was thrilling on that occasion, in her memory, to sing the first thing that I'd ever heard her sing ever. As a very young singer, I was invited to the opera house in Berlin by the then director of the opera house, Egon Seifelner, and I had one opera to my name that I that I knew, and he felt that there was a lot that I could learn there, which was very true, and I was so lucky to be able to get, to have this opportunity. And the thing that was happening is that I kept being offered operas, that I knew that I wasn't ready to sing those, just from an experience point of view, and as well as being 24 years old. And so I was always asked to sing things that I thought, well, no, I I really don't think I should sing that now. I need to sing that maybe in five years or maybe in 10 years, but not right now. Couldn't I please sing something else? And that that became a difficulty for me. And so I took it upon myself to go to speak with the artistic director to say that I thought I should leave the Opera House and come back in some years when my maturity, sort of chronologically, would have caught up with the invitations that I was being offered. And of course, considering that he'd taken me into into the Opera House when I knew one role, he wasn't all that happy. I decided that I, I had to save myself by leaving the opera house. It is as though I had, you know, sort of sheaves and sheaves of work. I had two or three things that I knew that were coming up, but I didn't have a lot after that. So at that point in my very young life, I wasn't sure whether or not I was going to be able to continue. And so there were probably about two months before I actually told my parents what I'd done. And when I called them, there was stunned silence. And my father said, "Um, well, sister, how is it going? And so I said, well, actually, I have two recitals in this place and another recital in that place, and I think I'm going to be all right. And at some point, mother said, do you need to come home? And so I said, no, I think I'm going to be all right. certainly within the, my performing life, you don't get to a point where you can say, now I can rest. I've done that, so now I can sit on laurels. That's not the case. There's always someone in the audience who's never heard you before. There's always something new that I'm performing for the first time. I like that. I love that. Because that keeps things fresh for me, and I think it, I hope that it also keeps things more interesting for the audience. But certainly I have learned that one has to go on achieving.